Thank you for taking time to listen to our service. We're happy you've joined us today. Visit NBCOcala.com to find out more about who we are as a ministry or get information about upcoming events. There you can also discover all the convenient ways to partner with us financially. Thanks again for joining us. Enjoy the service. Amen. Help me welcome our internet family if you would. God bless you guys. So glad you're with us. You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, um, Pastor Shauna mentioned the uh, family celebration coming up. And the end of this month, we're actually um, changing our model just a little bit. And instead of having Wednesday nights every Wednesday night, we're moving to a first Wednesday model, so to speak. So those first Wednesdays will be launching, and I think it's April 5th, the first Wednesday of, of April. And uh, it's not just going to be a service, not just going to be an event, it's going to be an experience. We're putting a whole lot of time and effort into that. It's going to just be a time. Let me put it to you this way. If you could only make it to one service, if you could only choose one service each month, that first Wednesday is going to be the service you're going to want to choose. It's just going to be a powerful time for the whole church family. And so um, that's coming up. And I just really want to encourage you to come be a part of that. Part of the thinking of that is... We uh, so value our small groups and dream team, trying to free up uh, more and more space and time for people to be able to be involved in those things. So don't miss the family celebration, and then don't miss uh, First Wednesdays. And then let me mention to you also that um, all of our services, if you have the U version on your phone or tablets, you can go there and, and uh, go to live events, and uh, we're up right now, and my notes will be on there. You can follow along and add on and and so forth. So we're glad you're with us. We're also live streaming and they're also doing Facebook live. So that's going out. And, um, every week over a thousand people are, are watching via those ways and an exciting way to do that. Amen. Amen. Hey, um, I'm so happy and, and, uh, I love being a part of the Meadowbrook family and we are family. Everybody say family. And, um, uh, it's good to kind of see who's among us sometimes. And uh, I just wanted to take a few moments and acknowledge and honor an individual who been part of our church. He and his wife, family, been a part of our church for over 20 years, um, Ron and Dolly White. And um, I'll tell you about them, and then I'll stand up just a minute. Ron, has, Ron is by trade an optician, and uh, for over 20 years he's had a ministry now called Vision for Christ. And he's more or less a missionary from here. He lives here, and then he goes to numerous places in the world. Look here, I'll give you some of his stats here. Uh, this is 20th year of doing missions, of doing what he does, taking what he does and using it. He has fitted, he has tested and fitted over 110,000 people for eyeglasses in such nations as Honduras, Mexico, Guatemala, Nicaragua, Peru, Amazon River, Uruguay, Brazil, Haiti, Philippines, India, Kenya, Uganda, Burkina Faso, and more. And he goes to places where people could not get glasses otherwise. It's a beautiful thing. He's brought in eye doctors to do, eye surgeons to do cataract surgeries, and then they've placed three clean water wells throughout the world. And it's just, here, here's the thing, and I got to go with him to Mexico a few years ago and watch this happen, and in remote places where people would not have access to this, suddenly their life changed. And when you do good to people like that, they're open to the good news as well. And so um, I'm just so proud of, and, and take your cues from Ron and Dolly too, do what you do. Take what you have. Let God use that in some way. That doesn't mean that you'll travel to all those nations, but it would be amazing how God will use you where you're at. Ron and Dolly, would you stand up? We just wanted to honor you this morning. Turn around and wave at them. 
God bless you guys. Good stuff. Hey, he's, um, there you go. Ron and, uh, Ron and Dolly are leaving in about another week or so for his 42nd trip to Honduras. And uh, so I just want to pray over him real quick. Stretch out your hands toward him. Father, thank you for, for Ron and for Dolly for the, the, the fact that they get it. They take what they have and, and, and what they're able to do and go and use that for your glory. Thank you that you've led them in these ways, provided for them, and used them in great ways. May they continue to be a blessing. May they have continued strength, health, and resource. Bless them in every way. We thank you. We're part of them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Good stuff. Well, we're going to wrap up our series on all in the family. And over the last six weeks, I've told you everything you would ever need to know about family. (laughs) Not so. It's impossible. It's impossible. So we're going to kind of bring it in for like a hard landing today. Um, Probably everything we teach can be applied to family. Um, Family is complex. (laughs) Family can be weird. Now, if you're sitting with your family, hold it down, okay? You know, but family can be awkward. I, I was thinking about this, and I, we pulled up a couple of, there's a site called Awkward Family Photos. I wanted to show you a few. So go ahead there. Go ahead, next one. Poor buddy. Notice. Jesus help them, huh? Yeah. Family could also be funny. And one of the, uh, Alicia and I say our, our greatest work is our kids. The greatest joy, also the greatest challenge, you know, raise, raising your kids. Um, I, I heard about a uh, family that had four little boys. And mom and dad are tucking them into bed. And they, they got a couple of them put down. They're working on the others. And and a uh, little three-year-old, they'd already tucked him in. All of a sudden, they hear him just crying and just wailing. It's like panic. So dad runs back in there and goes, what's wrong? His name's Billy, just a little guy. And he had swallowed a penny. He thought he was going to die. So dad, knowing that he wouldn't die, he happened to see a penny on the dresser, and he just slyly got the penny and slid over. And he goes, Billy, it's going to be all right. And he pulled the penny out of Billy's ear. And Billy is so amazed and so thrilled. And he goes, let me see it. And so he holds it up where, where Billy can see it. And Billy snatches it and swallows it again. And he goes, do it again, Dad. So, fun stuff. Well, let's dive in. I've got several things I want to uh, share with you this morning as, as we um, wrap this up. Imagine a family vacation, and we've got not only mom and dad, but all the kids, and we're bringing grandma and grandpa too, and it's in a van or SUV or a car, and everybody's piled in. It's going to be close quarters, driving a long distance, and then they're going to stay for a number of days in a small cabin somewhere. Do you know what you have? You have forced togetherness. Forced togetherness. And if that's going to be the case, there are a few things, a few ground rules you're, you must decide upon, everybody commit to early on. 
And uh, think about a few of these here. You're going to have to be patient. You're going to have to be kind. Be sensitive. Help. Do your part. Forgive quickly. Share. Show love. Serve. Give grace. Have fun. And here's another one. Include everyone. And you know, that's not just ground, good ground rules for a trip and forced togetherness. Do you know what it actually speaks of? It speaks of what we should be doing all the time anyway. I mean, all the time anyway, we should be showing love and being patient and being kind and forgiving quickly and including everyone. My wife, when she was little, probably about three or four herself, it was a big Mother's Day dinner, and she said they were passing the food and talking, and they're loud, and everybody's eating, and she's just little and quiet, just sitting there, and the food got passed by her so many times, and no one ever gave her any food. So at the end of the meal, and they're pushing back from the table, she finally, and she was very quiet and shy at that point in her life, this is what changed her. Uh, I don't know if I can say that next service when she's here, but... Uh, but this was a changing point because she, put, she, she said, what about me? And she wasn't included. She was just overlooked, you know. And uh, now she will not be overlooked and at the dinner table either. So, so. But these kind of things shape us and, and mold us, you know, family things that happen. And we want to make sure that in our families, not just in forced togetherness, but in our lives, that we're, we have these kind of ground rules so that everybody can be a part. Look with me in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2. It says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Then in Romans chapter 12, verse 18, if it is possible, because sometimes it's not, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, everybody say, on me. Live peaceably with all men. And these are good things to kind of connect to our, our time with family, friends, all relationships, but we're, we're specifically focused on family. Now, no matter where your family is at right now, the condition, the status, every, all kids are grown and gone, you're by yourself, you've got way too many kids, you know, whatever it would be. I, I heard about a guy, they, they asked him, he had four kids, and said, would, if you had to do it all over again, would you have four kids again? He goes, yes, I would, but just not these four. (laughs) So whatever your, your family situation would be, I'm thinking today, and we have work to do on homes right now that are raising kids right now, and all the different variations of that, um, we want to apply some things today. Realize that not everyone gets the family they need. Think about it. And then sometimes people, people lose the family they had. And so we end up with some situations and we end up with needing to be family for others. And I want you to hear this today. We are called to be family for others, not just with your own name, with your own flesh and blood. We're called to be family for others. Right now in the United States are over 400,000, 400,000 Um, boys and girls that are a part of the foster care system. Here's something heartbreaking. Every year on average, 30,000 of those age out of that system without a family, never got adopted, 30,000, and then just go out into, into life. 
Um, worldwide, there are 153 million orphans. In Asia alone, there are over 60 million orphans. And every one of those stories, foster care, orphans, all over the place, every one of those stories started with a trauma. Every one of them started with, with a tragedy. And I think something needs to be done. And so part of what I think is this. There's, there's over 330,000 churches in the United States. Did you hear me? Over 330,000 churches. And I think if just believers within all of those churches would just simply do this. Say, God, would you have me do anything about it? Anything from fostering or adopting or mentoring or opening up a, a door to work or, or some way help out those that have aged out of the system or whatever, I, I think something, I think the people of God could do something. I would never impose or mandate that on anybody, but I would ask everybody, pray and say, God, do you, is there something you might want me to do? I dare you. I challenge you to do that. We have a number of families within our church that are actively involved in fostering. And then we have a number of church, uh, families in our church that have adopted, some of the multiple adoptions, and uh, some that are in the process even right now. And I cannot stand tall enough in respect. I cannot applaud loud or long enough to say hats off to you. God bless you for doing an incredible work. Could, could we honor them this morning? But all of us are called to do something beyond just our little address. We're called to be family for others. According to Proverbs, I think that we're to be that friend that sticks closer than a brother. The psalm says that God puts the solitary in family. And sometimes that's us being put in family. And sometimes that's us being family to others, being the mom, being the dad, not flesh and blood, but being the mom to somebody who needs a mom in their life, being a dad to somebody who needs a dad in their life, being a brother, being a sister. We are called to be that. Are y'all with me? And again, to be that friend that sticks closer than a brother. So I challenge you today to answer the call that God would give you assignments. God will bring people into your life that you realize they're more than just a friend. They're more than just an acquaintance. I'm to help to be part of the family of God to them. Amen. Now, let me shift, let me shift gears a little bit this morning. And I want to end this series focused on, on three aspects. These are three major aspects that have huge impacts on our lives. And especially in the family setting, within the home and as we're growing up. So let's look at them real quick. The first one would be this atmosphere, atmosphere, everybody say atmosphere. Second would be instruction, and the third would be events. Now, I, I hold this one as having huge and lasting impact, probably greater than the others. I want to emphasize it first in this order, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back to it last. I want to go ahead and start right now with instruction. Everybody say instruction. Instruction is teaching and, and, and training. And we've been instructed right and we've been instructed wrong. You know, there's some things that are positive uh, that we were taught and trained right. And some things we got it all wrong. And sometimes it's because maybe our parents, our teachers, our coaches or whatever, they didn't have it right. And so these things impact us in ways. It's what we're taught. And we're taught, we're all learners. And we're taught things verbal and nonverbal. 
We see things, we hear things, and these are the things that shape us in our life. And sometimes, as I said, that can be positive and sometimes that can be negative. It's, it, we're, we're taught and we're instructed by what gets modeled for us. And we've had some things modeled wrong. And, and we've had some things modeled right, thank God. And it's, it's also what is tolerated. Uh, that's what culture is made up of, is, is what is modeled and what is tolerated. We are to teach our children and we ourselves are to be taught how to live, how to work, how to play, how to rest, how to relate. The Bible tells us, it commands us to teach and to train, to train up our children in the way that they, the way that they should go. And what this would be categorized as people prepare. And remember, we believe that ministry is people prepare and it's people repair. And so both of these are needed because of this whole process of some getting it right, some not getting it right. I know of no one, I know of no family that has gotten it all right. I'm concerned about some families got it close to all wrong. And then none of us have have escaped unscathed. And so thank God for his work and his help in our life for people prepare and people repair. Make sure that you're passing your faith along. Make sure that you're passing your faith along to your kids. Live it. Tell it. Show it. Don't just put on. Don't just demand and command and, and give the commandments. But instead, let's live it and let's, and let's show it, you know, that our faith is real to us. Understand this, that generations react to the previous generation. Every generation has done that. In music, in style, in language, in all kinds of interest, and and certainly concerning faith, depending on how the generation prior to us, the generation that, that raised us up. And we have five generations represented in our church worshiping here together today. And so what happens is sometimes we react to that. And if, you're, if the generation that raised you was overly religious and overly restrictive, you're going to react to that. And so what happens is we want to be able to do it in a living way, in a vital way, in a real way, not just in in words and in rules. And so we get instructed. Now, pass your faith along and don't leave your children without faith. Listen to this. It only takes one generation. Everybody say one generation. It only takes one generation for a truth to die. Through neglect or through ignoring it, through mishandling it, It only takes one generation for the truth to die. Now watch this. So one generation lives it, and then if they don't effectively pass it on to the next generation, this generation will only remember it. And now in the second generation, if they're only remembering it, unless something happens in this generation, unless something happens and comes along that it gets revived, and they're able to effectively pass it on to that next generation, this generation will reject it altogether. So that's where we're at as a nation right now in so many ways is faith is being rejected. Truths are being rejected because they've not been passed along properly. So I'm saying this morning in front of all of you, God help us, every one of us. If you're great-grandma, grandpa, grandma, parents, kids, whatever it would be, help us so that we can live our faith and effectively pass it on to the next generation. Could I get an amen on that this morning? Now, now listen, make sure you're passing faith along because that's the only way to overcome. 
It's the only way to overcome. We don't want our kids, we don't want you to be without an active faith in God. Don't leave them that way. We will do our part as a church, and you must do your part as well. We have a curriculum that all of our next-gen ministry is based on. It's called Orange. And the idea behind Orange is you take yellow, and you take red, and you put them together, and you get orange. And so what, we, we, what that stands for is home and church, home and church. And you put them together, and we're able to be allies together to help to impact this next generation. And so I promise you, I commit to you. That we will do our part, but you must do your part as well. You can't just drop your kids off. You have to be sharing and showing faith in your homes as well. Uh, Pass our faith along. Look at this in Psalm 78. Psalm 78. We will not hide them from their children, telling, uh, telling to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. Psalm 71. Now also when I am old and gray-headed, when I am, not that I am right now. Also when I am old and gray-headed, oh God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to everyone who is to come. And look in Joel chapter 1 verse 3. Tell your children about it. Let your children tell their children and their children another generation. We are to instruct teach in the right way to go, how to live, how to work, how to play, how to relate, how to resolve conflict, all of those things, but super important, make sure that we're passing our faith along as well. Amen. Amen. Next would be events. Events. Everybody say events this morning. We've all had events in our life that shape us and impact us, positive and negative. We've had all kinds of things. How many of you remember ever getting a new puppy? You know, that can be a good event. Um, some of you have gone through, as I have, the divorce of your parents. That's not a good event. And then in particular, sometimes it's extra rough. Ours was. And then sometimes you realize, hey, the new puppy we got was because mom and dad divorced. So it's kind of mixed all the way around. You have all kinds of things that happen in your life, events that shape you. You've had holidays. You've had good holidays. You've had bad holidays. You have the ones you remember because they were awesome and you have some that you remember because they were horrible, because they were, they were broken up. The holiday was messed up because of anger and because of alcohol. We've had events of births, events of deaths, events of moving. Sometimes that's awesome. Sometimes that's awful. The new school, the new neighborhood can be wonderful, and sometimes it can be horrible. We have all of these events, and events shape us, and events get in our memory And this is what I want your awareness to be today, that events shape you. Your memories dictate to you. You know, they were either going to build you and strengthen you or drain you and tear you down. And this is where people repair really comes in. But events shape us. And we're raising our family. There's interaction in the home and in school and in sports and, and extracurricular activities. And all of those events with friends and strangers and all of those things impact us. I have a very vivid memory, and this is how families handle things differently sometimes. Before, this number of years before my parents divorced, I'm, I'm playing cap league. That's not even little league baseball. That's cap league. It's, it's before that. And we had a pitching machine. How many of you know a pitching machine? I was afraid of that thing. I had nightmares of that thing. You know, this robot that would throw balls at you, you know? And I remember going to practice, 
And I, and I was on the gold caps, y'all, and I had my gold cap except it was yellow. And, and I'm up to bat, and my dad came to practice. My dad, my dad always cheered you on. And my, my dad came, and he standing behind the, the fence, and the ball came, swing and a miss. And here's what my dad said. Oh, so close. And then another one came. He said, come on, you're a hitter. You're a hitter. And I'm like, I just don't want to get hit. And the next one comes, and you got it swinging a miss. And my dad again, so close. Oh, this is going to be awesome. And my dad was cheering me on. And eventually, because he kept saying, you're a hitter, I was a hitter. I had a friend, though, and I remember this on the same day. On the same day, his dad was there as well. And the same kind of thing is happening. And he swung, and he missed. And here's what his dad said. Are you kidding me? Will you swing the bat? You're embarrassing me. You know, and all these kind of things are just ridicule, ridicule and putting him down. And that's the only, only interaction I ever had with that, my friend and his dad. I never really uh, was around his dad much. But I went all the way through school with this guy, though. And he had so many, so many issues in his life. And as I look back on it, I think a lot of it had to do with some of these things. Instruction, events, an atmosphere that he grew up in. And it shapes us. It matters. It can build us up or can tear us down. Understand this. Life is a continuous cycle. Don't miss this. Life is a continuous cycle of crisis and process. Crisis and process. And look at me. It's how you process what happens that is the difference maker. Look at this statement right here. It's not what happens to you. It's what you do with what happens to you. That's what matters. I know of all kinds of people that, and their, their excuses, well, this happened to me. And I could take them to 10 other people and said, same thing happened to them, but it's how they processed it. And that's one of the reasons why we gather together as a church and get wisdom from God's word. That's why we have friends. That's why we get counsel. That's why we get training so that we can learn to process and handle the events of Life, because those events shape us. It's not what happens to you. It's what you do with what happens to you. Instruction, events, and thirdly, atmospheres. Atmospheres. Say it with me. Atmospheres. What do you mean by atmosphere? I mean like the environment, the surroundings, the conditions. Think of home again. Think of home again. It's the air. It's the tone. It's the mood. It's what's going on. What is that atmosphere? And here's what atmospheres allow or disallow. Listen to me. The atmosphere, the atmosphere determines what will grow and thrive there and what will not grow and thrive there. And remember the goal of family, the goal is to be able to produce healthy, whole, godly, able individuals. And so the atmosphere is so, so important. Look with me in Isaiah chapter 32. The work of righteousness will be peace. Watch this cause and effect. The work of righteousness, peace. And the effect of righteousness, let me define righteousness, is doing things God's way. Doing things God's way, the work of that is peace. The effect of that will be quietness and assurance forever. Look at verse 18. My people will dwell in a, here's the effect, peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings and in quiet resting places. What is that? That's the atmospheres. Atmospheres are created. What is in the atmosphere? What is present? 
What is absent in the atmosphere of our homes? Is it love or is it anger? Is it acceptance or is it impatience? Is it encouragement or is it ridicule? Is it grace or is it unforgiveness? Is it nurture or is it neglect? And can I tell you one of the biggest factors that creates the atmosphere of our home that can change the atmosphere of our home? You ready? Words. It's the words that we speak. The Bible says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. The words that we speak actually actually condition the environment that, that is around us, the atmosphere that is around us. Our words matter. I said our words matter. Our words are either a gift or our words are poison. And let us not be the ones that ally ourselves with the enemy of our families and lob bombs into our home with our words. We've got to be more careful with our words. I'll do it over here. We've got to be more careful with our words. Because once you launch the words, you can't unscramble that egg. It is out there. It has impact. And so we must be careful how we're treating the atmosphere, the environment of our home, because of what we're trying to grow with our families. Instruction, events, atmospheres, they shape us. They propel us. Hopefully they're building us. And like I said, none of us have gotten out unscathed. But there is something that can help us with this. But here's the problem. Here's the big concern. You ready? The big concern is that What happens with instruction? What happens with events? What happens with atmospheres? That if all of that doesn't line up just right, here's what it produces in people. You ready? Insecurity. Insecurity. Now, I know nobody at second service at Meadowbrook has any insecurity. (laughs) Except maybe me. And here I am. I've got to stand up in front of thousands of people with insecurities. Where to get those? Instruction, events, atmospheres. Can you get over them? God helps us. I said God helps us. And what happens with insecurity, fear, self-doubt, always feeling less than. Come on, some people put on good bravado. But every one of us deal with it. Here's the fruit of insecurity. You ready? Instability. Bear that in mind because that's the goal of the enemy. Then instead of the family producing happy, stable, fruitful, and blessed people, if the enemy can somehow pull out the hinge pin right in the middle of stability. Because you might be happy, but if you're not stable, you won't be happy long. And you'll never be fruitful. And you'll never be blessed in any consistent manner. So what is the enemy after? He has to bomb the factory. He has to poison the well. He has to mess up instruction and events and atmosphere. He's not so much against the family. He's against what the family produces. And this is why we've got to commit ourselves to instruction to processing events, because events happen to all of us, but it's how we, how we process it, and then the atmosphere, and largely the words of our home. God help us with this, because insecurity and instability affect every decision, every relationship, every direction, every outlook. It limits our goals. It even hinders our view of God, ourself, and others.
So what do we do? What do we do? I don't think there's a person here that could stand up and say, I made it just fine and I'm completely well and whole. No, I'm kind of like Eddie Munster, okay? What do we do? I mean, what do we need? I don't know, so let's close in prayer. No, actually, I have I have it. You ready? It's two things that we need. Two things every one of us need. Jesus. No, don't hear that with religious ears or the Sunday school answer. Jesus. And secondly, wisdom from above. Jesus is the who you need. And wisdom from above is the how that we need. Wisdom's going to require some work because wisdom will show you, do this, do this, do this. But I promise you that Jesus in your life also will give you the help you need to walk the way of wisdom, to bring you from where you are to where God wants you to be so that areas of our life that need healed up, we can get healed up. Listen, you never have to hide your scars. God will use your scars because as you heal from things, Eventually, you're able to tell somebody else who's going through it and went through that. Let me tell you how I got through it. Let me tell you how God helped me. And we're able to get our way all the way through. You need Jesus in your life, not as just, well, I go to church or I've got a Jesus bumper sticker. No, you need Jesus in your life in this way that he's first in your life. He's not just part of your life. He's center in your life. John the Baptist said this, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Not the act of sin, but the result of sin, the guilt, the shame, the pain, the brokenness. Further, the Bible says that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost, and can I add, and damaged. And 1 John says this, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. That's why we need Jesus in our life. And then look with me as I close in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, 17. It says, this means that anyone, say it's me, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. Jesus, wisdom from above, we can go where we are to a better place. And in your homes right now, whatever that looks like, let's get Jesus, let's get some wisdom from above and watch what God will do. Amen? I got to stop it right there. Did you get anything at all out of this? All right. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Meadowbrook Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NBC Ocala.